Oh no, not again. Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Charlotte. And welcome, welcome to, to Perf, Perf Damage. Damage, the weekly podcast hosted by a movie-obsessed husband and wife team who work in the film industry. We'll share stories of film production and restoration. We'll review and recommend. We'll examine the minutia of subgenres and even microgenres. And most importantly, we will tackle the art of the double feature. Just remember, all our opinions are our own and do not represent those of our employers. Thank you for joining us. Welcome. Hello, and welcome to this special edition of Perf Damage. Yeah, it's going to be extra spooky. I'm Charlotte, and I work in film restoration. And I'm Adam, and I work in film... Something. The, uh, production. Yeah. <laughs> film production. You work in film. Yeah, I work in film. Don't production. ask him exactly what he does in film. Nobody wants to know. <laughs> it's really not that exciting. Hey, we don't live in the uh, San Fernando Valley anymore, so yeah, you know those those days are behind you. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we doing today? We're we're not we're kind of jumping off from our normal kind of historical deep dives into topics, and we're just gonna recommend some movies today, right? Yeah, we're gonna do something fun for. For the holiday, it's uh, Halloween. The coming holiday. Out. The, the holiday. <laughs> our favorite holiday. Yeah, it It's is. Halloween at our house pretty much all the time. It is, it is. And usually we throw a sort of a screening party once a week. Right, yeah. We have this thing called Barktober that we have done for over a decade now. Yeah, yeah. based on a last name. It's not a dog thing. Don't bring your dogs. Yeah, <laughs> right. We usually pair movies, so we'll... We'll We do double features. And we try to do deep dives and find stuff people have never heard of or movies that are just good to watch with a crowd. Yeah, we want those kind of like fun movies, you know? We want it to have some sort of energy. Right, right. That a group of people can really feed into. Yeah, and that you can riff on when you're watching it, sort of mystery science theater style. The topic that we picked for this one... Today... Is killer robots. Killer robots. Which I think everybody should have some killer robots in their lives. They should. Makes it much richer. And this is a genre that's been around a really long time. Oh, yeah. As you will illustrate with some of your picks. I will. Yes. Um, but, you know, we're going to start with double features. Like our paired features that we think would go that are two fun movies that you should put together. Right. <laughs> so if you want to hear those. And uh, maybe some fun little anecdotes about those films because we can't help ourselves and we have to read about the movies and try to outdo the trivias and the did you knows with each other. Well, we have to keep it to a minimum on this one. We do. Again, we're going to try. We're going to really try. Okay. (laughs) And on that note, if you want to hear about killer robots, stay stay tuned. tuned. All right, and before we get into the the what are we? Oh, killer robots. Yep, that's what we're talking. <laughs> killer robots. <laughs> the, wait, what are we doing here? Um, let's highlight the wine that we're having. Yes, this is a wonderful wine from Polis Bolus. Polis Bolus. It's a very cool label. I thought it was very kind of Halloweeny. With yeah, its, uh, it's got a octopus. It's or got something. an octopus on it. This is cool. a 2021 Roussan from Lompoc, from the Santa Maria Valley, mm-hmm. and it's very delightful. And we really like it. 
Goes well with the killer robot theme. Yeah, you know, I think that killer robots could probably run if if they're not running on oil and they're not running on blood. Oh, they could run on this. They could run on this. I we run so. on this, so yeah. yeah. We have this pumping instead of blood through our bodies (laughs) at all times. Yes. All right, Adam, what is your first pick? Are are you? So we should, we should, yeah, let's, let's, we'll stagger. I'll do my first pick. You do your first pick. This isn't necessarily your favorite killer robot film you're going to recommend because let's be honest, that's RoboCop. Oh, absolutely. He kills a lot of people. And, Robocop or... But he's a cyborg, so technically not a robot, right? Well, what if we're talking about Ed 209? That's a robot. Yes, that is. that would be a full robot. But uh, Robocop, cyborg, so doesn't apply to this, what we're talking about okay. right now. So by robot, you mean... Full-on automated robot, no human actually involved in it. That, that eliminates a lot of films, actually, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, so yeah, this, this one is one of my favorite movies of all time. Actually, you said this is maybe not my favorite, one of my favorites. This is actually one of my absolute favorites. Really? Yes. Oh, I know what it is. Shopping Mall, (laughs) 1986, directed by Jim Wynorski. They broke into the mall for the wildest all night party of their lives. They're dead meat. But you're never alone. In the chopping mall. What's that? Robot blood. Chopping mall. Where shopping costs you an arm. And a leg. Chopping Mall is the plot of Short Circuit. Hi, honey, I'm home. Number five. <laughs> it's a, a good one. It's about a bunch of mall security robots. They get hit by lightning. So it's like Paul Blart meets Short Circuit. With a lightning bolt. There you go. There you go. <laughs> no one would describe yeah. that movie that way ever. <laughs> so the robots get hit by a lightning bolt and then they go crazy and start killing the kids that are partying after they go hours. haywire. Yes. It features one of the best head explosions ever committed to film. <laughs> Outside of Scanners. Outside of Scanners, this is the number two head explosion of all time. So do you have a list here of like best head explosions? That could happen. There are fun cameos by Dick Miller. Oh, I love Dick Miller. In this film, of Dick course. Dick Miller's in so much stuff. I mean, people know him from Gremlins. You know him from everything. Yeah. Everything. It's a Kentucky harvester. <laughs> Dick Miller is actually playing the same character that he played in Roger Corman's Bucket of Blood in this film. Really? Yeah. And this isn't the only cameo because there is also a cameo by Paul Bartell and Mary Warnov. In this film. And they're playing the same characters that they played in Eating Raul. I always forget that. Yeah. This is like Jim Wynorski's love letter to horror films. So who's Jim Wynorski? Jim Wynorski is a low-budget filmmaker. At this point, he just came out of Corman's crew. So did Corman produce this? Uh, Not Roger Corman, but his wife produced this film. What? Yes. 
Okay, I didn't know that his wife produced Yeah, things. his wife is a big producer. She produced Slumber Party Massacre. What's her name? Julie Corman. Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, so this was produced by Julie. This was one of her babies. So Roger Corman, as a shout out, has Roger's Pet Store. And that's kind of where this culminates in the end, in the, in the mall. So there are a lot of references to other films and Roger Corman gets a little love and mm-hmm. um, some of their favorite directors, which is a lot of fun. That's actually a good segue into the film I was going to recommend, which isn't a double feature with yours, but there are a lot of references to directors. In your first film? In my first film. Okay. What's your first film? It is (laughs) Death Machine. Yes, Death Machine. Death Machine. The seal in Vault 10 has been breached. Vault 10 contains some kind of death machine. And your friends are letting it out. Shut up! Order into chaos. Way of the world. Is it the best movie I've ever seen? No, it's not. But is it a lot of fun? And would it pair well with another film? Yes, it would. Yes, it would. Absolutely. (laughs) So Death Machine, what year? Who directed it? That was 1994. Although you will see it also credited for 95 because it had some uh, release troubles. Yeah, especially here in the States. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this was actually the directorial debut of Stephen Norrington. And before this, he worked mainly in special effects. So he worked on Aliens. He worked. No way. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. He was one of the creature robotic people on that. Oh, wow. So he did a lot of that sort of stuff. So this was his first film that he directed. And at times, it's really a love letter to other films in the genre. There's a character named Sam Raimi. There's a character named John Carpenter. There's a Wayland and there's a Utani. Oh, nice. Which is from Aliens. Alien reference. Right? Alien reference. Yeah. uh, The main baddie who was played by the amazing Brad Dourif. What the hell is this? Fucking Oprah Winfrey? Oprah? John, we are talking quality here. We are talking Geraldo. Who is Chucky? (laughs) Who is the voice of Chucky? Also, he's in Ragtime. I mean, Brad Dourif's a great Academy Award nominated actor. actor. Yeah, we the, a lot of people forget that. And he's more than just Chucky. He really is more than just Chucky. Yeah. And he's so good. He hams up every line. I mean, he's like the ultimate ham. When you let him. Why are you wearing those glasses? Because this is a surprise or time. He's he can be really hammy. Oh yeah, you let him loose <laughs> when you let him. In this one, he's just having a good time. He's having too much yeah. fun. The robot in the movie, <laughs> it looks sort of like the creature from Alien, but if you took the skin off and it's just the skeleton of it with a T Rex head on it and like a Freddy Krueger kind of hand. Yeah, because its hand <laughs> is always like, going. But it just chomps like this. It, and it chomps goes chomp, 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 chomp,
You know, there's yeah. a there's a scene in the film where the the war beast his hand comes up through the bottom of an elevator and just starts it's I don't really know what it's doing. Well, it's trying to get everybody with its But it's really not. It's just showing off its hand. There's great one-liners. There's a cop right before he dies. He looks up and he yells And it's one of those sci-fi films where all the lights are down low. <laughs> yeah. They're we, in a conference room. We talked about room. this. This is the funny thing. We talked about this. Like, they're in a conference room. Nobody turned any lights on. No, nobody turns lights on in the conference room. Who's it's giving just... presentations with no lights on? You can't see anything. I don't know. I mean, no wonder the robot went bad. If they just would have turned the lights up, they would have well, been able to, they went across those wires. Well, I don't even know why Brad, Dur- how Brad Dourif even built the robot. I don't know. He see in that lighting. <laughs> it was like so dark in there. Shank needs to pay some lighting bills. Yeah, I think, you know, Shank, you know, if they're making all that money. Pay those lighting bills. Turn a light on, Serious. man. Turn like, a light ridiculous. on. Ridiculous. <laughs> That's a whole subgenre in itself. So, um, you know what? Your movie there, Death Machine, pairs with my second film. Because today we were looking up things and we found out that your guy, Stephen Norrington, worked on my second film. Yes, he did. Hardware. He did the uh, robot effects in it. Which is awesome, I right? Know. Like How about they that? have these this connection. You know, it's a small world. We're in a time of throwaway technology. I give you 30, 40, 50. And then you'd see it my way. Get ready for an encounter with some seriously heavy metal. hardware this was the movie that made richard stanley he was also the first director on the island of dr moreau remake that starred val kilmer oh yeah that movie had a ton of issues yes and he was removed as director about halfway through the shooting right yeah so there's that whole documentary about that which is amazing yeah yeah and he kind of went nuts on it but anyway Anyway. yeah this is his first film and it was an excellent kind of debut film that Miramax picked it up here in the United States and they paid for a lot of the production. It was a $1.5 million budget and they put $4 million into advertising it when it came out here. Oh, wow. And the opening weekend, it made $3 million. So, and I think the year film hardware and death machine had another thing in common. Doesn't it take place in the very near future? Because Death Machine takes place. It was, yeah, you know, made in 94, 95. Well, made a little earlier, but released then. And then I think it takes place in 2003. (laughs) Yeah, I think mine takes place in 1996, even though it was made in 1990. It's only six years in the future. It seemed like there was a thing in the 90s with films, science science fiction-y kind of films that were set in the very near future. Like Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. That's what, 90, 91, something like that. Yeah. And it takes place in 1996. And all hell is broken loose. Right. 
Burbank has an international airport. Well, that is ridiculous in and, in and, and of itself. All hell is broken loose. And then in Death Machine, it's just 2003. Yeah. And I think hardware takes place less than a decade later. And yeah. it, it's, it's the post-apocalypse. <laughs> like, Someone had blown everything up. Some and, about the 90s, man. They just thought, this is it. Yeah, they're done. It's done. We're we're done. Well, for a long time, this film was not able to be seen because uh, the Fleetwood Publishing was suing it because it was based on a short story that Richard Stanley had read in 2000 AD, which is a weekly comic book that came out there. And uh, he didn't credit it when he made the film. And so Fleetwood saw the film. They're like, hey, this is <laughs> this is our story. Yeah. And they sued. And eventually they settled for credit in the film. Also, this movie got rated X when it first came out. Rated X for excessive violence and sexual content. Uh, and all they did was trim 38 frames from this film. Uh, one of them was an angle when this guy gets cut in half by the, by the machine. Um, they said it was too graphic. And so they changed to a different angle that didn't really emphasize him getting cut in half. And, uh, and then they got an R rating. Interesting. It's, curious what they think should be trimmed and what shouldn't because like with robocop it all goes back to robocop yes (laughs) they made them edit the scene where ed 209 the robot shoots up this guy on accident in a conference room and they made them edit the scene down and by considerably yeah and by editing the scene down when this guy's getting shot you know gory it actually makes it more gory than had they left it because you can see the unedited version now that's also out. And when you have more of that, it's actually comical. Yeah. It's, it's so over the top that it's not as horrific. Right. That's the intention was to make it so excessive that it was yeah. a, a joke. Yeah. And when they edited it, it made it just much more impactful because it was like oh my well gosh. when you cut something your brain is filling in the things so you right. make things more horrific than maybe they are but if you see it then sometimes it just especially if it goes on for so long it just becomes and your film death ridiculous. death machine also ran into some sensor issues yeah it they, did it, it, it was out. banned in a few countries when right. it first came out people had an issue with the violence and also brad duraf's character in the film because he's so gleeful about the violence like he really enjoys killing people I mean, his character is just weird. I didn't even really get into that. I mean, he's just the ultimate, I don't know, caricature of a bad guy. I mean, how did this guy get hired at this company? That's what I want to know. I love when you were like, hey, what was his interview like? What was his interview like? <laughs> how are you going to hire this was guy? Was this guy like, hey, um, I'd like to work for your company, but I got to go watch this cartoon real quick <laughs> around the corner. He's from New York. Yeah. No, he wasn't, actually. <laughs> Well, in your world, but he's, he's super gre- he was super greasy. He's so greasy. Yeah. He's got this long wig on. It's like <laughs> kind of funky, like he's cutting it himself. But he's also it looks like he's living there, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he definitely never. So leaves. it's like a live workspace. Yeah. It, in there... this big building. But but seriously, why would somebody hire this dude? No matter how brilliant you are. Yeah. I love the proliferation of televisions in 90s apocalyptic films. There's so many in hardware. There's all these music videos playing because Richard Stanley came from the music video right, world. Right. And so there's like PIL and Guar and like all of these bands 
that he did videos for playing on televisions all over the apocalypse. I don't know how they're plugged in or where they're getting the electricity from, but everything's blown up. They're in like rubble and there's televisions playing everywhere. Yeah. Well, it's like that in Death Trap because one of the investors of the film was actually JVC uh, Victor. Not Death Trap. Death, Death Trap. Machine. Death Trap, that's a good one. It is a really good movie. Goodbye, Cook. Bang, bang. Sorry, the click is so anticlimactic, Sydney, but I needed the bullets from that gun. For this one. Now sit down, dum dum. Sit down. In Death Machine, one of the companies that produced the movie was JVC. Oh no way! So every camera, every screen that you see, you'll see JVC logos on nice. everything. So that's one of the reasons why there's so many screens and stuff in that one. But I mean, that was just a common thing. And in- it was in '90s post-apocalyptic films. Yeah, apocalyptic. <laughs> so my double feature is chopping wall crowd pleaser crowd pleaser crowd every pleaser time. yeah and then you follow that up with hardware which is a little more slow and yeah, moody everybody leaves everybody talks during that one yeah it doesn't really get going till about 40 minutes in when oh, that's yeah. too long yeah, for but a it, crowd but you know what it's really cool looking and it, it sets the mood it, uh, that's what i really like about that film yeah what do you yeah. what were yours uh well i haven't even talked about my second one yet the second one I'm going to recommend, which is weird that I'm even recommending this, because in a way, I kind of don't even like this movie. <laughs> in a way, she doesn't even like this movie, but she will recommend it to you. You said killer robots. Yes. And space truckers. That's a film title. Yeah, she just said that. Space truckers. Yeah, I wasn't just saying the words. That's actually the title. Space truckers. From director Stuart Gordon comes a non-stop ride into adventure with Dennis Hopper. Could somebody tell me what's going on here? Hmm? Stephen Dorff. I'm best. Debbie Mazur. I feel so much better. George Went. Well, somebody say something? And Charles Dance. We're 100% operational, my dear. So, Space Truckers, 1996. Again, I I don't really like the actors in it. I mean, there's Dennis Hopper. There's Stephen Dorff, who kills pretty much every movie. You know, poor guy. Debbie Mazur. Yeah, I don't really like her. I mean... Charles Dance is awesome in it, though. He really is. Charles Dance is great. Yep. There's something about Charles Dance. He just has presence He's got the voice. He does. He He kind of gives off Christopher Lee vibes a little bit. Is it just me? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He has that gravity, like when he comes into anything. And anything he plays, like even though he's playing this for jokes. Oh, this is major jokes. Like mad jokes, right? Yeah, jokes. Yeah. (laughs) He got serious jokes in this one. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, there's something about him that just adds gravity to any scene. And, you know, I think it is his voice and his line delivery. Yeah. So Space Truckers, I will. There's a lot of movies that have kind of space truckers in them, but they've never explicitly been called that. Well, think Alien. Alien, right? Yeah. They're hauling the oil refineries right. and uh, it's a mining. The it's oil. a mining yeah, ship. Yeah. Those guys are workaday guys. They're union. They're worried about making their bonus. Yep. Yep. If they don't get it back in time, mm-hmm. it's totally space trucker. Han Solo. He's yes, trucking. he's definitely trucking. Yeah. Yeah. Han Solo. He's is... constantly hauling this or that or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And that that Millennium Falcon is definitely like a space truck. It's a space truck. But in space truckers, it actually looks like a space truck. Yeah. And and the whole plot is, can you deliver this thing? But don't look at what you're delivering. Don't look at it, but deliver it. Sure. Why not? And I mean, that's the plot. And what's he delivering, Charlotte? He's delivering. I mean, this is going to give it away. Killer robots. Killer robots. Yes. yes. But what's great about these killer robots, I love the design of them. Yeah. They hired six foot models to wear these robot suits. And they were actually designed by Sawyerama. Right. Who's known for his sexy robots. Beautiful robots. Yeah. So probably the best scene of the film is when Charles Dance's character wants to barter. With they capture the uh, they capture Dennis Hopper and Stephen Dorff and Debbie Mazar who are trucking, they capture them, <laughs> yeah, and they're you know, and the hall they, that they they're have. trucking, they're trucking. <laughs> I mean, how else do you describe it? <laughs> and uh, you know, he sets his eyes on Debbie Mazar, he's like, Hey, can we uh, go back to my place? And she says, Okay, if that'll get us out of here, sure, why not? Yep, you know, you can tell she's got she's got something else she's thinking she's gonna do, but they go back to his place on the ship and because he's half robot cyborg guy <laughs> he actually his equipment is uh is it's robot equipment but it's not functioning right i pray you allow me a few moments to coordinate my seldom used Reproductive sequences. Uh, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's just so weird. And Charles Dance plays it so straight. and He does. And the, which makes it so funny. Like, yeah. it's not, I mean, he's not playing tongue in cheek. He's very serious about it. And that's what makes it so funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It if does. you got some friends coming over and you want to watch Killer Robots, I say Death Machine followed by space truckers, everybody's going to go home happy. That was some really bad special effects where you still see the wires. Oh my, I almost forgot about that. So there's actually, there's a story uh, about that. Yes. So the film, whenever they were making it, Universal Pictures was interested in giving some money and distributing the film. Yeah, they wanted to purchase the film. But the producer, you know, the producer guy says, uh, uh, if they're really interested in it now, just think about when it's done, how interested they'll be. Whoops. And then they'll give us more money. So they made the film. They didn't finish some of the special effects because why did they need to? They got this money coming in from Universal. Guess what? Universal wasn't interested by the time they finished the film. And you see so many wires. Yeah. People, you know, so in like zero many. gravity get flipped back and there's the very wires clear are like, wires like holding them up. Super apparent. Yeah. Oh man, it is so funny. 
They're count, the, the counting down on that universal money to remove were, those wires. The end is just wirific. Yeah. There are so <laughs> many wires, so definitely look out for those. You can't miss them. Aw. I have to give a shout out to... Well, I mean, it's great, that one that you're talking about. It's not good. It's great. Oh, well, there's Tobor the Great, <laughs> which if you're wondering, what is Tobor? Well, that is robot spelled backwards. <laughs> And if you watch Tobor the Great, they will make sure you know this by the end of the film because they tell you probably three or four or five times. Tobor, the most amazing, the most fantastic creation of his mind. Oh, he looks alive. For even though much work remains before he's completed, he is already a sentient being. A necessary adjunct to the recording of all experiences our human space crews may later encounter. Go, Grant, go! All right. You win. Tobor, bringing you chills you've never known before. Tobor, the most human outer space man ever seen on Earth. Be sure to see Tobor. <laughs> You wanted to mention another one, too, I right? did. Yep. The other one I want to mention, and this is almost purely for character design and just sheer hilarity, is Robot Monster. And that's a 3D one. Uh, you can see it in 2D, but it was actually just restored by the 3D archive recently. And it has one of the most memorable robot designs ever. It is a half-ape. Ha uh, with a, well, with a TV on his head. It, yeah, it's like an ape with a TV slash astronaut helmet with like yeah. some antenna or with, with something TV on antennas it. Yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. With the swiftness of a deadly cosmic ray. The Earth is invaded by indestructible moon monsters. Their ghastly mission, death for all humans. Your death will be indescribable. Fool humans, there is no escape. You just cannot forget this robot design. It's such a gloriously bad film. It's so much fun. It really is. There's a scene where the robot is, monster is chasing <laughs> someone. Robot, uh, monster. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's the name yeah. of the film. And he's, he's running up a hill and the guy in the costume is like <laughs> tiptoeing <laughs> yeah. up this hill. It's a wide shot and you just see him walking, tiptoeing it's up this It's pretty funny. Hill. Like the guy is obviously so tired. Yeah. Like, but his like... arms are like this as he's tiptoeing up the hill. <laughs> it's just, there's a lot of fun stuff The like most unrobot looking robot of all time. <laughs> really I think is. it wins the award, honestly. It for does. That. And yeah. I mean, it's what, 65 minutes? Yeah. It's a, it's a fun movie. It yeah. really is. Yeah. So if you're looking for some 50 sci-fi ones, I say seek out Tobor, seek out Robot Monster, and have yourself a good night. And watch it in 3D. Bob Fermanek did a lot of work on that film to make it look as good as it did, probably better than it did yeah. the day it came out. Yeah. Or as we like to say in the business, better than it deserves. Yeah. Well, that one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, they did a really nice job, and there's some cool special features on the disc, too, if you can track that down.
Anyways, so that's robots. Yeah, killer, killer robots. robots. Yeah, we did it. You we know, did. double features and then a couple extras thrown in for yeah. fun. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways. <laughs> so, you know, those aren't the best ones ever. We just wanted to pair some for you. So if you have better ones or things that we didn't mention, be sure to let us know in the comments. We read all the comments. We we like chatting back with you guys. So yes. Until next time, thanks for joining us here on Perf Damage. He also was the first director on the island of Dr. Ro- uh, Monroe. Uh, Moreau. She's <laughs> Mon- not Monroe. The island of Dr. Moreau. Dr. Ro- uh, Monroe. Uh,